Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, there's an alliance. They had an announcement, and it's a handshake deal. How about that? College football fans rally around. We got realignment drama. It's a new kind of drama. It's familiar, but it's not exactly the same. And we got teams that are scared. I think that's the bottom line. What do the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have in common? I think roughly two-thirds of the teams could get squeezed out of the top tier of college football, and they know it. And I think three-quarters of the teams fear it. Now, a few of them will probably squeak in over the line, but nobody knows which those teams are. Uh, I think think if you really boil it down, what the commissioners aren't willing to say, but which is what is holding this group together— is that, hey, we suddenly realize that ESPN is trying to monopolize college football and they're paying the SEC to help them do it. And we're not going to have it because most of we, most of us, two-thirds of us would get squeezed out of the top tier. I absolutely think that's where this is headed and that's what they fear. And BYU would never get in the top tier. I don't think Utah would stay in the top tier. So, you know, locally, everybody's in the same boat. You know, will there be a second tier? Will there be a third tier? It seems like that's where this is headed. Now, maybe that plays out over 20 or 30 years. I think what they're trying to do is hold the line, keep Fox and CBS involved, sign new deals in 2024 for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, probably go from nine to eight conference games. I think we're going to see less of USC and UCLA, a little less of Oregon and Washington, and a lot less of USC and UCLA at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, we're going to see more um, more games matching Pac-12 schools against ACC and Big Ten schools, and they're going to try and create some marquee games that are that are worth a lot of money. And we'll see how that plays out for Utah. I think it's going to make it harder for BYU to schedule games. Is it going to hold together? No, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend that there's a guarantee that this is going to hold together. It could. And the one thing that could hold it together is fear. (laughs) The fear of most of these schools that there'll be, instead of 64 to 66 to 68 teams at the highest level of college football, that there'll be somewhere between 30 and 40 teams. Does your team make that cut? I'll tell you who makes the cut. The first 16 spots go to the SEC. And Notre Dame and Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan, they're going to be in. And that's 20. And I suspect there'd be half a dozen teams from the West Coast, four California schools, Oregon and Washington. But if I were Cal, I'd be sweating a little bit. I would be. I wouldn't be sure. I I think I'm probably good, but I wouldn't know for sure. So I think a lot of these teams are sweating it, and that's the majority of these leagues, and they got the votes. And I think we're going to see the 12-team playoff. ESPN almost pulled a fast one. They almost did it. If they'd gotten that 12-team playoff approved before the news broke on Oklahoma and Texas, they would have re-upped the playoff into the 2030s, and maybe CBS and Fox would have said, hey, we're never going to have enough foothold in this game. We're out of here. But I think we're going to see them get at least some games. I think the way the NFL playoffs and Major League Baseball are divvied up, I think that's what we're going to see with the college football playoffs. I don't think one network's going to get all of it going forward, which probably means more money. But it means ESPN and SEC won't corner of the market you know so we can get more into this later in the show it's um boy it's crazy times but it feels like a really high stakes poker game i mean it was high stakes in the last go around the 20 
you know, 2008 to 12, kind of in that range where everything shook out and where the youth got into the Pac-12. But, man, it feels really high stakes now. And, it, and as it boils down, I don't think anybody cares about the mountain time zone. So if you're Utah and BYU, if you're Boise State or Colorado or whoever, yikes. All right, DJ and PK, let's move on now. we got to talk about some of the local teams. And this season, we are getting closer and closer to kickoff here. Uh, we're going to go to BYU camp. We spent a lot of time with the Utes yesterday. Uh, BYU, the countdown is on. Uh, James Epi, offensive lineman extraordinaire for BYU. Um, the, the, the big name on the O-line. Star? I don't know. Can offensive lineman be a star? Uh, he is definitely the big name on the offensive line. Here he is with the media. Now the camp is wrapped up. Just what kind of group do you got? What, what can we expect to see from you guys this year? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, we had a few guys leave, and they're you know playing pretty well in the preseason right now, as I've been hearing, and I love watching them on TV. It's it's a good time. Those guys are doing good. Um, but we got you know we're, we're trying to trying to fill some spots and, and get a, a group of five that's ready to go. And I think we've you know over camp we've we've found a bunch of guys and got a little bit more depth and um, you know have kind of developed into to, into a good unit. And I think there's still some competitions along along the way. Um, it, I really everywhere. But I think I think guys are competing and getting better and uh, excited for us to keep going. I mean, what we have ten days, ten days to the first game, so we're uh, we're pumped about it. How are you guys gelling with uh, with Coach Funk, the new O line coach? Uh, really good, Coach Funk. He he uh, he's really smart. He knows his stuff. <laughs> Um, and he's doing a great job teaching us. And so, um, you know, he's come in and he's, he's done a really good job leading our room and, and, and helping us, you know, get better at, at our crafts. And I, I, I think the, you know, he's been accepted really well by the guys and he's, he's doing a great job so far. So just looking forward to, to getting into, um, you know, the rest of, of these practices here before, before game start and then, and then game planning with him and, and getting things started. Hey, Jake, go ahead. James, I wanted to ask you about the Barrington brothers. Uh, you've been playing with Clark for the majority of the past two seasons, but I guess more. I guess my question is more about Campbell. What kind of player is he as compared to Clark? As compared to Clark? Sure. Um, they're, they're both really similar. They Those guys play really hard. Um, they, they're a little nasty. They like to get after it and, and – um, and you know they just have a great time doing it. I, I think Campbell so far this camp Campbell has been been playing pretty well, um, coming in because uh, he was with us during spring ball. So from spring ball to fall camp, he's made massive strides um, at both you know knowing the the playbook and and different techniques and what we do as an offense. And so he's he's really growing in the system. I think he's he's doing really well, and it's it's fun to have those two on the line, man. They're they're good dudes. Kind of building off that a little bit. In your opinion, how difficult is it for a young player, let's say in Campbell's case, or let's say one of the other freshmen on this offensive line or sophomore to come in, learn this system and be able to step in and play right away? Does that make sense? You know, credit credit to the coaches. They they ha- have made it super easy to to learn um, our offense. It's it's not anything you know out of this world or you know crazy. We we do what we do and and we try our best to play really fast and play really hard. So um, the the coaches have done a great job at making it uh, simple and easy to learn for these new guys coming in, uh, just scheme wise, and then you know the techniques, just depending on on how far you are technique wise and how much effort you put 
put into it, then, then it's the player, you know, and, and their effort to, to getting uh, caught up and up to speed to play at this level. So uh, guys like Campbell, guys like, you know, Connor Pay, um, you know, the guys, guys like that, they, they really excel because they work their butts off and they, they learn everything they can and the coaches make it, make it really easy to learn. So. Um, okay. Dana, go ahead. Hey James, uh, you mentioned 10 days out now. Has the countdown started in your mind and how sick of you are you of practice and ready to hit another team and, and how ready are you for week one? Oh, we're, we're excited, man. We've, we've started looking at it a little bit and we're, you know, cause most, most of fall camp, you start fall camp, just focusing on yourself, um, trying to get better, trying to, you know, get your stuff dialed in before you worry about somebody else. And, and so now we've kind of, you know, a few times we've, we've looked forward a little bit, got, got some things rolling and, you know, we're excited about it. It's, it's, uh, you know, football's fun and we're having a good time preparing and we're excited to, uh, you know, keep preparing as we go from, you know, for the for, for the whole rest of the season. Uh, Sean, go ahead. James, moving moving back a little bit to the offensive line and talking about kind of some of the other the other guys and a lot of young guys on that O line. We, we usually in the media we think of experience on the O line in terms of starts, um, and I think you have the bulk of the returning starts on that O line. But there seems to be a lot of experience, like outside experience, maybe non starters and rotating in and that kind of thing. Does that experience translate as a guy who's been through both? Does that experience kind of translate when you're moving up to starter level, I guess, to where it's not really as big of a jump as maybe some other positions? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the each rep makes you better, um, you know, if you take advantage of it. And, and we've had a lot of guys who've gotten a lot of game reps, you know, uh, have played in big games, a bunch of guys with starts. And, and so that that certainly does help when you look at it because, you know, you've been there before and you, you've kind of been in those moments where, uh, you know, you have to get your job done and, and everybody's counting on you. So, yeah, I, I guess it I guess it carries over. Um for sure. I mean, the, the experience helps, but you can also have, you know, young guys step in and just get caught up really quick to, you know, the, the speed of the game and how everything's going regardless of, of starts and whatnot, you know, so competition is really important, making sure everybody um, is working hard and pushing each other. That's super important. And, and um, I'm glad we have uh, a bunch of guys with some, some game experience. Okay. Bryce and then Greg. So, James, being in the middle of a quarterback battle um, and kind of three different styles of quarterback, does the mentality on the offensive line change depending on who's behind you at quarterback? No. We, half the time, we don't even know. So, um, not, not until we're watching film. And those guys are playing really well right now, and we're you know excited about any one of them. But it doesn't change anything for us. We still got to get the job done no matter what we're doing. And uh, got to give anybody time to throw. Got to make some running lanes for whoever's in there. And so, that's, that's our job, and it doesn't change. So, when there is finally a quarterback named, will it change at all, like with the way that you prepare for a game? Um, nope. It'll be, it'll be the same going forward. We'll, we'll keep attacking it just like we have been. And, you know, whoever, whoever's in there, we'll have all the confidence in the world in them and we'll just go get the job done. Sounds good. Thanks Bryce. Hey James, uh, you had a front row seat, uh, last season when this offense was really humming along. Have there been moments in camp where you felt the same kind of clicker rhythm? Like we're, we're back to not exactly what you were, but, but the same kind of feel. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, just, just every day I feel like we've um, come out with – you know, the mentality to, to get a little bit better and to, to keep grinding and, and keep moving along and put things together. And, and there's moments where, you know, we're like, everything's clicking. And then there's moments where, you know, we have to figure something out and then we figure it out later in practice. And now we're good again. You know what I mean? So, um, every day in practice, we've, we've come to work with, with that mentality of getting better. And I feel like, you know, everybody's on the same page and, and, uh, we're doing good right now, but we're not where we need to be yet. Um, and I think everybody's excited about keep, keep um, taking steps forward towards that goal um, as, as we keep working. Thank you, James. Okay, last two, well, Jacob and then Jake. Yeah, James, you've been listed to a lot of uh, preseason watch lists coming into this season. Um, what kind of sense of personal accomplishment do you feel when you see those, if any? Um, you know, it's always humbling to be, to be, I guess on a watch list or to just even have your name in the hat for, for a cool award. So that's cool. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, it's a watch list and, and they're fun, but the, the most fun is, is winning football games. So, um, and I think, you know, cause we've had, a, uh, our, our media team does a good job at, at shouting everybody out that's, you know, on a watch list or something, but I think, you know, everybody has the mentality of, you know, that's fun, but let's go win some football games. So. James, pretty simple question here, but how different in terms of communication is Aaron Roderick now as the OC than he was maybe previously as the passing game coordinator working alongside Coach Grimes? A-Rod, even last year, he's he's always had a huge hand in the offense, and he's you know, communicated really well with all position groups. Um, and so I think, uh, he probably has a little bit more elevated of a role and, and responsibility in, in terms of communication, but he's done a great job at, at being super clear with everybody and, you know, making sure, trying to get everybody on the same page, making sure we, we all have the same expectations. And so, um, I, I think he's done a great job throughout camp so far, done a great job throughout, you know, since, since the change was made, he's, he's been great. And so we're, we're, we're excited to keep working with him um, as the season goes on. And, you know, I, th- I think he's doing doing an awesome job at, um, you know, leading the offense. So hopefully we can, you know, keep it up and, and keep things rolling. There is James Empey from BYU. When we come back, we'll hear from the head coach, Kalani Sataki. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So the University of Arizona is going to play a a couple of quarterbacks against BYU. They're not going to pick a starter. Um, Does it matter? Sure. Does it matter a lot? I don't think so. I think BYU is favored to win. If Arizona plays two quarterbacks, I think BYU is favored to win if Arizona picks one of them. So 
Either way, BYU needs to win this football game. Uh, this makes it a little different, but BYU still got to get it done. All right, we'll get more to that later this morning. Right now, let's get to Kalani and get his thoughts a week and a half out from the start of the season. Yeah, good day. Um, good end of camp. Um, guys are, you can tell the guys are just ready to get moving on Arizona now. So it comes at the right time. Um, I think we had our our scuffles to a minimum. So, but uh, guys are just ready to play somebody else. And so we're going to move on to Arizona prep. We'll have our our majority of our depth chart figured out tomorrow, including the quarterback. All right, questions for Kalani. Mitch, you can go first. Well, yeah, I was going to start there, Kalani. So what's the, the decision then on, on the quarterback? I know Arizona announced their plans just moments ago. They're going to go with a two-quarterback system. Who's going to be your guys' starter for, for that game? Yeah, I think we put we're, we're still camp still going on. Today is the last day of camp, and so we're going to go through meetings, go through our our time to talk to our players, notify them what what, what the situation is, and a lot of different positions. And uh, quarterback will be one of them. So obviously, we'll talk to the players first, and then be ready to have that um, announced to the rest of you guys tomorrow. Was the decision? Um, for the quarterback for amongst the staff, you, A-Rod and, and, and Fessy and the rest of the staff, um, was it decided on Saturday or have these practices played a role, more data points for in the evaluation process? No, the decision that was decided is basically what's been going on uh, throughout camp. You know, so the players that have uh, pretty much come out and competed, that's, that's the decision-making process up to them. It's not up to me or A-Rod or Fessy or anyone. It's, it's really the players uh, doing what we need um, as far as taking that spot. And so the, in every spot, whether it's quarterback or any of the other positions that we have on our team, and that's that's what it comes down to. So we're going to go with a with player that, that uh, you know, once we talk to them and, and, and uh, communicate with our guys, uh, then we'll, we'll be ready to have that be known to everybody else. So other than that, we just knew that this was going to be the last practice in camp and came to a point where maybe a little bit before last uh, before the last scrimmage was to uh, kind of know that this is the, the kind of the deadline. I know I've been asked about that before, but we decided to make this a deadline, give the guys an opportunity to finish out camp and then communicate with them who, who the starter will be. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, Kalani, along those lines, have you identified a scout team quarterback yet, uh, knowing that it's not one of the, obviously, the three that that are in the QB derby? Well, I think it's going to depend on, uh, you know, there's a number of guys that we can use there. So, A-Rod's got a bunch of guys that we can use, even a left-hander uh, with Rhett Riley. So, uh, we, we have a bunch of different guys that give us different looks, um, uh, different skill sets. So, uh, we're going to use all those guys. Um, and then we'll figure out who, who's going to be the uh, quarterbacks that will travel as well. That, that'll be all f- factored out tomorrow. And just kind of a big picture question now that camp is wrapped up. How do you feel about your team? You've said all along you like them, you like your depth. Does that still hold true? And and what are maybe kind of your expectations this season? 
Yeah, I mean, I really like our depth. I like the what, what I've seen through camp, uh, the chemistry on our team, the connection that they have to, to each other and also to the fan base. And, and uh, my expectations are for our guys to perform at the best. Uh, we, we need to get get timed out so that we show up there in, in Vegas and that we're performing at our best in all three phases and, and that we have all those guys ready to roll. So uh, right now we went through the dog days of camp, meaning that we had to really grind it out a little bit and had some physical parts and then really tested a lot of our guys as far as their their physical ability and also their mental ability with a playbook and we're able to get most of our install I would say everything that we wanted in in all three phases is in now we have a lot of film for it and now we got to decide what is the best thing where we're trying to predict what's what we're going to see from Arizona so um We'll have to get that in, pl in place. Uh, I think the coaches have been working on a, on a plan already, but now installing that and now shifting from what we're trying to accomplish as a as a team, now moving on, and, and now that we built the foundation, move on to prepping against our opponent. And uh, looking forward to that matchup against Arizona. All right, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, Kalani, just wanted to ask you, is there a position group or position groups that you are most concerned about currently? most concerned about um, I don't know I think we get closer to the once we start looking at the depth chart we can kind of see our depth there and, and seeing how the guys perform uh, we, we've got our scout team there's still some bubble guys on on whether or not we feel like we're completely too deep or if it's still one and a half so I, I don't know um, we'll, we'll start reviewing that a little bit more but I don't there's not like a, a I've had concerns other years where it's just like oh gosh what are we going to do at this position and have to shuffle so many people around now we're, we're doing a little bit of shuffling because there's a lot of experience and guys that, that are pretty smart and know how to play different positions and that's a more of a convenience than anything so we're going to keep working with that And but right now I, I can't say that there's a position that I, I'm really concerned about right now. And then health wise do you have any season ending injuries at this point or are you relatively healthy? We do. You know what? I, we did have one season-ending injury, and that was uh, Braden Cosper, our receiver. And so he he had um, he, he got hurt, and I, I wanted to, I totally forgot that when I when we happened a few days ago. So uh, he had surgery, and, and he's going to be recovering, and he's uh, back with the team in meetings and helping the guys out. He's going to be basically coaching and, and keeping trying to be a leader that that he's been for us all year long. So that's the unfortunate. Um, the situation that we have right now with him being down, he, uh, you know, made a great catch and, and came down on it wrong, and, and and so he's out for the year. That, that, other than that, everybody else is still in play for the first game. There's still some guys that got banged up during camp. We had a physical camp, and so we we've got some guys that are banged up, and we'll start. Right now, they're all in play for the game, though, so they're all in play for for Arizona. We'll just have to see when we get closer to the game how uh, if, if if those guys will be ready to roll. Okay, Sean, and then Dana. Yeah, Kalani, you, you mentioned uh, a lot of observations after, or you guys mentioned a lot of observations after Saturday's scrimmage and wanting to kind of check the film and, and all of that. It, when you went back and looked at the film and as you start to put the final bow on fall camp, did, did a lot of what you saw on tape kind of confirm what you guys have been seeing for the past couple of weeks and kind of with your own two eyes and that sort of thing, or, or have other things sort of stuck out to you, I guess? In, in regards to the, just, the just everywhere team talent, yeah, just everywhere. Kind of just observations that you're making 
I guess, in person versus on tape, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the newcomers to the team uh, really add a, a, a different level for us. And then uh, I think sometimes we lose sight that that a lot of these guys that are returning on the team um, are going to be the same, and then and a lot of them have improved their game even from last year. So that's to me that was the more surprising and, and kind of revealing thing is that uh, we have you know everyone keeps reminding us how many people we lost to the NFL and lost to graduation and and um, and so you kind of are looking to fill those pieces but then you start to see that these guys that are here that return that they have actually upped their game and um, that was really impressive for me to see and those guys worked extremely hard in the offseason and saw a lot of improvement from um, you know from all through camp and then uh, I mean guys like Neil Paul who come to mind and and Gunnar Romney there's a lot of guys with the old linemen Blake Freeland and Harris LeChan has done amazing jobs. Um, James Empey's a much better version of himself. He's done some really good things to change his body. He looks really nice and um, and, and just really, he's always been smart, but he's just, he's just leading at a different level right now. So I, I want to make sure that uh, you know we don't take those guys for granted because they're, they're they're a big part of our team and and, and it's been really uh, nice and rewarding for me to see them uh, even get better from from last year, which I thought they were pretty good last year. Hey Kalani, outside of uh, quarterback, which I know you love talking about every day, um, is there are there other position battles that are really close one two, or is your your ones mostly separate from your twos right now? Um, I think we got – I think there's a good number of guys that, that we, we know are probably more than it being a one and two. The quarterback one's a little different because you want to have a starter. Um, you want to have one in place. Um, the the others, you can kind of rotate them through. So, you know, we have uh, Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa that, that rotate at, at running back. And then you add a bunch of the guys that are back now with um, Ropati and McChesney and um, Fakahua and – and, and I mean, there's a, I don't know, I'm forgetting people, but there's a good group of guys there that, that adds the mix. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that, that really there's a separation between one and two. There's a lot of twos that uh, show that they can earn some time. I think Ben Bywater's done that as a linebacker. D line, it's, uh, everyone keeps saying it's not a lot of big names but we'll find out right there's a a lot of guys that i think can perform and do some really good things and there's a lot of returners there that that um i think some people are overlooking so hopefully this is their opportunity to show what they can do and then um i don't know if you got a chance to watch tony finau win yesterday i know you're friends with him what was your reaction and kind of what does that mean for uh you know the polynesian community here to have a pga tournament champion like that first time in five years Oh, it's huge. I mean, I'm so proud of him. You know, he's worked really hard. And I remember um, when he was, when him and Gipper were just kids and, and just, you know, them hitting golf balls in their garage and stuff like that. And then to see them, you know, on primetime TV, to see Tony doing his thing, uh, uh, it's amazing, you know. And, and that's, uh, it's just, it was really cool to see him. I, I think the, uh, there's, and it's not just the Polynesian community, but the, but the local community in the state of Utah and everyone's just so really excited for him. And, and it shows how united we all are, even though we, we, we may have different college teams that we, you know, we go to, but it's nice that we can rally around someone as, as genuine and as real as Tony Finau. All right. Last two questions, Mitch and then Bryce. Yeah. Kalani, just, uh, 
COVID-19 is still playing a role in college football today. Uh, what's the plan for players that aren't vaccinated in your program? Will BYU be providing those one to three tests per week that the NCAA is requiring? Yeah, um, we, we had our um, sports medicine department. We, you know, Carolyn Billings did a great job communicating with our players the, the situation. And so she she's the one educating our guys. We're going to do the same type of protocol that you're seeing from a lot of the um, P5 programs and, and conferences. So um, I'm sure somebody else can probably give you that information. I'm here to talk about football, but we're gonna, we got to. You know, we're going to do whatever we can to get get to the game safely, and and uh, and that means following different protocols and policies to do that. We'll do it. And just real quick follow up: uh, the NCA require has like a ten day isolation period. It's ten days till you guys travel. Do you have any players currently in isolation? No. Yeah. Thanks, Clay. Was that okay to say that? So if I wasn't supposed to say that, I'm sorry. If, if, if I wasn't supposed to say that, then, but it's no is the answer. <laughs> so kind of going back to a uh, question prior asking, like, what was probably the position group you were worried the most about? What's the position group that probably showed you the most during training camp that, like, you weren't really expecting? I like the quarterback group and running backs. And so I probably should name a lot of them, most of the position groups. I, I was impressed with the um, improvement our second O-line made. And so, um, yeah, it, and until you get to test them in, in a real game, it's always hard to say. And then what you don't, you hope you don't, hopefully you don't have to test your depth too much in, in, in these games. So, yeah, I just, man, we, we got to get to the game and then, and then we can talk about more more things specifically but until then it's all I don't know I can't forecast that right now my goal is to get the guys to be at their best that's the goal so also another question I had um, was how hard is it for some of the guys to maybe not look past Arizona but also think about that the second week game against Utah we're not worried about anything but Arizona right now so all our focus is on, on on the Wildcats and that game in Vegas. That's all we care about. There's Kalani Sataki. When we come back, PK and I with Brian Taylor, the big win for Tony Finau. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in... Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. You hear him Saturday mornings on the Zone Sports Network. Talking golf with Bob Casper. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Brian, good morning. It is a good morning, guys. And uh, so happy for Tony getting that win yesterday, I think. All of Utah was rooting for him. It's been a long time coming. I wasn't. 
Whatever. Yeah, you were. John Rom's a sun devil, man. I take my sun devil allegiance way serious. It's life and death for me. Sorry, Tony. Well, guess what? Your sun devil wasn't exactly in the picture. He's world number one, and he fell off uncharacteristically. And uh, Tony went out there and got it done. So it came down to Tony and an Aussie. I would think at that point in time you were squarely rooting for Tony. What about my connection to Joe Ingles? <laughs> wow, has he been stretching this all morning, PK? Yeah, he really has. Okay, all right. No, I was Boy, rooting I'm glad for football Tony. starting soon. Me too. No, you have no but idea. Thankfully for Tony, winning when he won. No, I was definitely pulling for Tony. Absolutely, it was great to see. We all know his backstory. So the way I looked at it, though, you know, even when he lost that playoff in LA uh, earlier in the year, I wasn't. I was disappointed for him in the moment. But he's got bigger aspirations than winning the LA Open, so I, di- I didn't think it was a crushing blow because I thought it was only a matter of time. And it's great that he got it, that he won this one's a big deal too. Playing on Monday uh, in literally in the shadow of the uh, New York City skyline with a lot of big names playing there, but I still think he's got bigger aspirations than even this. No, I think it's a really good point. You know, he in L.A., it, it was crushing um, to not get that done in the playoffs. He got a bit unlucky, really. I mean, he, he alluded to it in his post-round interview about how, you know, he hasn't really felt like he played all that bad. He shot 64 to get into that playoff Riviera. Riviera is not an easy golf course. And so to shoot 64 on Sunday to get into that playoff and look – Homa, what did he miss it under a tree on the par? Was it the par three? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like he was dead, and he got a good break where he was able to get a shot up there and make par. And Tony doesn't get it up and down. I mean, he, look, that's golf. Uh, just to give you an example, John Rom, right? He shared the thirty-six hole lead with Tony Finau. Both of them were leading going into the weekend, and John Rom, the number one player in the world, is now zero for five in converting thirty-six hole leads on tour. Golf is hard, and and to your point, Tony's got. Bigger aspirations, I think, if he had had he won the LA Open, not only would that get the monkey off his back, it would be great for him, but that that's not his goal, to your point. It's not his goal to win the LA Open. It's not his goal to win the Northern Trust. He's squarely in position to win the FedEx Cup and the $10 million that goes along with it and all of that. But, you know, he's looking forward to those four big events next year, right. you know, where he's played so well in major championships and top ten and been in a final group at the Masters. He knows he's got so much talent, elite talent, and sometimes it just has to all come together. 31 years old. Certainly not too late for him to go on a terror and uh, and make his mark in golf. And all that's true, but don't you think it just helps to win in that line of thinking and people bringing it up, get it out of your own brain. I won. That field was loaded with plenty of good golfers. Justin Tom- Thomas was top 10. Uh, Kevin Na was top 10. Rom was right there. So I beat these guys. And those are the guys he's, I mean, you never know, but those are the guys he's most likely to see in a major too. So now he's done it. There's no doubt about it, DJ. And and, uh, Tony always talks about his belief. And he says, you have to believe in yourself. And to be able to not have to answer the question, when are you going to win again? And even he said, hopefully we'll have to wait five more years. Um, You know, it, it, it is big. I think it's big for the psyche. But to believe, I think that's what we love watching in sports, isn't it? And and then oftentimes it's a team game where you've got to have everybody come together. There's no one else to come together in golf. You're you're out there on an island. You're all by yourself. As Tony said yesterday, it's hard to fail in front of the world. It's hard to lose. I believe was the term. Sorry, it's hard to lose in front of the world. And um, you know that it's a it's a micro um, scope right there on top of you, and and you have to hit the shots. And Cam Smith, I mean, think about how Cam Smith's feeling. Tony knows how he's feeling a little bit, right? I mean, 
Cam Smith was a, was an eight footer away from a 59, you know, just a couple of days earlier, and has already won this year. Is one of the best putters on tour, and and he just the driver has been a struggle for him. And under the pressure, he completely hits it out of bounds. I mean, that's I don't think there's anywhere in his mind he thought that was going out of bounds. And so, um, you know, for Tony to to step up there in the clutch. I mean, let's just look at his back nine, right? He entered the final round two back, but he turned it on on the back nine, stuffed it on 12, eagle on 13, birdie at 14, great par save on 15. Adds another at 16, and then the clutch up and down at 18. I, I mean, I don't know how, for a for a final nine thirty. That that is just some great great playing, as he said, chasing the number one player in the world in John Rahm and and doing what he needed to do, and then hitting the clutch tee shot on 18 as well, and putting the pressure on Cam Smith. So I love it. Uh, he gets into the top six now uh, for Ryder Cup, so he'll make it automatically. No captain's picks needed. Um, so it's just a, it's a great it, it's a great story for Tony. Great timing and. And, and that's what you love to watch in sports, going back to the beginning of my comment, is how guys are able to battle adversity and then overcome it. It's inspiring for all of us in the little battles that we have in our own lives, not on as big of a stage as what we see these sports heroes do. And, and uh, it, it was awesome to watch. Really, really happy for Tony. Especially, there's two things I want to get to you with, but I'll get to the first one now and then circle back. Especially in his situation, because if you look at golf, by and large, it is the guys who succeed are the ones who come from some degree of wealth. There's very few Lee Trevinos and Tony Finau's who didn't come from much, virtually came from nothing at all, and made their way. It's somewhat of a country club sport, and you see it at the high school level. The teams that have the country club and the high school boundaries tend to be really good at golf because they're playing at a young age and they have all these opportunities presented in front of them. And Tony didn't have any of that. We all know his story. So it becomes even more inspiring for those so many of them, including myself when I was a kid, who didn't come from any degree of wealth. And it sends the message that work at it, my friends, whatever it might be, and you have the opportunity to succeed. I'm inspired. Let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Man. Yeah. It's like, feels like a Monday morning. Let's go get it. Let's make that sale. Let's close that deal. There you go. Way to go, PK, man. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> close that sale. ABC, always be closing, Brian. Always exactly. be closing. Hey, I was curious about the uh, you know the, just the fact that this tournament got to twenty under. Does it does the PGA Tour want, if not a major, you know, and not everybody has to go crazy like the USGA has and hold everybody to even par, but twenty under, good grief! I mean, the yeah. two guys in the playoffs, neither guy had a round in the seventies. Well, look, <clears throat> we talk about this on the show quite a bit with the caddy, but. You give the best players in the world a soft golf course and perfect putting surfaces, and you can't. There's nothing you can do. Doesn't matter how long the golf course is. Doesn't matter how deep the bunkers are. You know they are just going to light it up. I mean, look at Tony hits a six iron two nineteen into thirteen, the par five, and just absolutely stuck it to what three four feet and knocks that in for eagle. I mean, you just you. you <laughs> It's the, the great equalizer in, in the game is not distance. It's firm, fast greens. And that is the only way that you can put pressure on these guys. And then you got to grow a little rough up because to hopefully take some of the spin off the shots that they're going into those firm, fast greens. So when you've got a hurricane that drops nine inches of rain, they were, I mean, that grounds crew pulled up a miracle just to get the golf course ready to play. So hats off to them. Um, really awesome that they were able to do that. But that golf course had no chance. And so Tony knew that. That's why he knew he needed to get to 20 and he had to put the pedal down and, 
yeah, are you going to see normally back nine on Sunday, in this case Monday, you know, final round, you know, finishes? Not not normally, but again, uh, it's an outdoor sport. Sometimes you get the baked out, you know, really tough conditions where holding on for par is good. And in this case, it was just, you know, forget about it. These guys are, especially when, when you're on like Tony's on, uh, he, he's going to light it up. Now, here's where I depart from you guys. And I think after I say what I say, you'll agree with me. Once again, that I'm right and you're wrong, and that this doesn't take the pressure off Tony. If anything, it increases the pressure on Tony because you're really good. You had all these close opportunities to win golf tournaments. You didn't get it done. Now you got it done, and we expect more. We're much as given, much as uh, much as expected, as you guys know, you church going dudes that you are. So, with that in mind, that it doesn't decrease anything. It just increases, and when he tees it up next week and whenever, and the next year when we get to April, he's going to expect be expected to not only contend but to win, which is a great thing. You want that, and that's what he's got. Well, you know, it's where much is given, much is uh, required. I think is actually the uh, the church going term, but we'll throw expected in there. For I mean, I term. get to the building, but I don't ever go in. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, um, so. Does that ramp up the pressure? It's interesting because Tony, in his mind, if you listen to his comments, he hasn't changed his expectations one iota. So does it add more pressure where he becomes one of the favorites? I would I would suggest that he has been one of the favorites going into all of the majors over the last several years. And if anything, he was starting to, I guess, fall out of that limelight, if you will. And, and I think Tony's a guy that thrives on it. You know, I think the fact that he played in the final group of the 2019 Masters with the greatest player maybe ever, certainly of this generation, in Tiger Woods, and got to see a firsthand look at how Tiger went on to win his 15th major. I mean, that that's invaluable experience, and he loved being there in the moment. And other than the shot he hit into the water on 12, he matched Tiger shot for shot down the stretch at Augusta National. So he knows he can do, he can do it. I don't think he's afraid of the moment. I don't think the pressure is going to be too great for him. I just think it's going to be – I think players will take confidence off of being back in those premier groups. And I've been watching Tony over the last – over this whole year, actually – if you look at it, he's, he's suddenly not in those premier groups anymore. The guys he's being paired with in the first couple of rounds aren't the Justin Thomases and the John Robs. It's the, I don't want to call them B players, but certainly A-minus players. And so with this win and being number one in the FedEx Cup, and by the way, with just, just a three-tournament series in the FedEx Cup now, he's in great position to win that the, the whole thing. Um, should he go on to become the FedEx Cup champ and play well in the Ryder Cup and all that, right? He is going to be in those premier groups. He'll be the darling. Everybody loves Tony. It's hard not to love Tony. Yeah. And now that he's winning, it's just going to, his popularity is going to go through the roof. I think his confidence goes right there with it. And, and I'm probably more on the side that we've got floodgates opening as opposed to in, increased pressure that's going to make it more difficult for him. Well, then all is well. Well, we got to ask the question, man. Well, Utes, well. Utes or Cougars? Everyone is trying to claim him. Everybody loves a winner. Kyle says, "Well, I don't want to tell you what Kyle says." Yak, play for him. What Kyle says about you. One more time. He's a you. Yeah, he's a you. He comes to all their games, but there's video of Kalani celebrating, watching, uh, watching him win. So Ute or Cougar? What do you think? I answered that question on your Twitter account already. By the way. Oh, good and I answered it. I'll answer it again on the air. Please. He's Utah. He's all of us. 
He's he he no, he is no. red. He's blue. He's jazz purple. Cop out. He is cop he out. Is all of us, and cop. we all can relish in what Tony Fino no, no, does no, as no. a person and as an athlete. You can 100%. only be a Ute or a Cougar. You can't Not be true. both. Get out of town, Brian. If you Come didn't on. The school and you didn't play for the school. You represent all of us, and you know what. Right now, more than any, I know you. I know that I, I get it. It doesn't play the game on sports radio, but no. now more than ever, no. we need guys like Tony to bring us all together, yo. No, Tom, you're wrong. He's me. wrong. He's wrong. Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen tweets at us. If only there was something in his PGA bio to clear this. Tom up. Tom Hagen. Yeah, the consulary. Exactly. <laughs> no, but Brian. A, Brian, my friend, I'll prove that you're wrong because. You are an elected official. I represent it. We're going to reunite the country. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. You're a Democrat or you're a Republican. You're a Ute and a Cougar. And that's an excellent example because we all know the Democrats go to Utah and all the Republicans go to BYU. If you're going to lump politics into our sports talk, I think we're not going to tune in anymore. Sorry, man. Come on. You're killing me here. Well, I'm a political animal and I don't make any apologies for it. We don't. We turn into DJ and PK because we don't want to listen to politics, man. We want sports. We want good stuff. Go back to that motivational speech. You wanted me to go close the deal earlier. I like that PK. All right, but what are you going to be wearing? You going to be a BYU entrepreneur or you're going to be a sociology major from Utah? Wow! Look at the stereotypes. Just dropping them right and left. Just dropping. Hey, okay, all right. To so feed into your point, I had a chance to go down to the Utah Open last week. And uh, speaking of BYU entrepreneurs, Ryan Smith spent some time with the media, and interestingly enough, talked for about five minutes on Tony being an elite player right before he goes on to win. So, uh, so that's he knew. Cool. So. Hats he knew. He knew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's. I think he's played with Tony several times, right? Yes. The eighth item. In his personal bio at the PGA Tour website, favorite teams are the Los Angeles Lakers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Utah Utes, and the USC Trojans. Oh, there. That settles it. He's a Ute. There it is. Although he lives in Scottsdale now, so we'll get him. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to turn him against USC and Utah? Yeah. That level of mediocrity? Come on now. Oh, listen to him. Oh, boy. You, boy, we own a 6-3 and record against you since you've been in the conference there, big guy. Is that true? Is that true? No, that's just a fact. I don't know if it's true, but it's a fact. (laughs) You will love this, and you know who said it, too, Brian. We had a producer, and I I don't know what was said. Something was said, and the producer said, and that's a true fact. (laughs) <laughs> and we have never forgotten that that was hilarious we burst out laughing the producer what what a true fact as opposed to the other kind a political fact going back to pk wrap it all up there there it is yeah all right, right well thanks yeah. for coming on and chatting about tony's win and uh we will catch up with you again around the Ryder cup probably Absolutely, and yes, uh, and by the way, go youth. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm a youth fan, but uh, not a hater, and uh, I'm sure Tony's uh, all about uh, his brother Kalani down there as well. So, uh, good stuff. We'll look forward to the Ryder Cup, and hopefully Tony's hosting the hoisting that uh, Tiffany Crystal coming up here in two weeks. That'd be pretty sweet. Mm, yeah, 10 million bucks that goes with it. <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> Thanks, boys. There's Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. Saturday mornings, 6 to 9, right here on the Zone Sports Network. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.